So in life, you can believe in certain things, but believing them, unfortunately, is not enough. You know, sometimes we need to be connected. Amen? So, you know, to believe that water will quench your thirst isn't good enough. You need to kind of drink it too, you know? So one of the things that I just want to talk about is I want to talk about how the fact of the matter is that humanity has tapped into the power of God. You know, a lot of churches may deny it and what have you, but I'm just going to read some scriptures for you guys. We all agree with this, but let's do it in the Word. And let's just edify ourselves and remind ourselves that God wants to do great things through us. Amen? Don't underestimate the power of God. And don't put God in a box because you look down on yourself. He went to Jeremiah when he was a young man. He went to King David at the age of 15, who was just a shepherd. <laughs> he wasn't accepted by his family. Just because the people around you don't accept you or see the value in you doesn't mean you don't have value. You understand? You must never forget that. And that's one of the things I've noticed about, like, you know, in the world is we always allow people to judge us. What are you saying, Dylan? I'm saying that sometimes people come to me and say, these people say this about me and that. And the fact that it's affecting us is because the word of God does not have entrance in you. Their words have entrance. So we have other words in our lives. That's why we can just treat each other like nonsense because God will just find a new character because that's what Hollywood does. Oh, it's fine. They'll just replace him with another character. Life is not like that. Everybody is valuable around you. Amen. So yes, we know that we are just puny, we are human beings, we are flesh and blood. But God has done something for us. And we have stepped into an inheritance. So it's not pride that man can heal the sick. It's not pride at all. It's humility and understanding what the Lord has done for us. So, you know, one thing that I also have to say to those that say that the power of God doesn't flow anymore is that whenever we read throughout the Old Testament, we read how God used people. 
So God is using people all the time. We can never forget that. So when God moves in power, there comes a man. So we were made in the image of God. Understand? Jesus Christ was the expressed image of God. So he wasn't coming to show us what we couldn't do. That's just how I see it. I think when I look at Jesus in the Bible, I see God coming down in the form of a man, showing us what we can do. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's read some scripture. I just want to read a quote here in terms of tapping in. Because the, at the end of the day, we need the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and comforts, com comforts us. So at the end of the day, it was a good thing that the Lord went back to the, to the Father. Because then the Holy Spirit came down. In other words, he's saying now, go do what I did. Did he not tell the disciples to go heal the sick, baptize them in my name? So if he said that, then why are we preaching that we can't heal the sick? Why are we preaching that God doesn't move in power anymore? Why are we coming up with funny ideas that we're not really worshipping God properly because we have drums or something? You know, people will come up with many things. And if you don't know the word of God, you get judged by that and you start wondering whether you really do love the Lord or not or whether you're doing the right thing. And that's all our own fault because we don't really see what the word of God says about us and what God has done for us. Amen. Um... In vain do the inhabitants of London go to their conduits for supply unless the man who has the master key turns the water on. And in vain do we think to quench our thirst at ordinances unless God communicates the living water of his spirit. So at the end of the day, we're not saying that we're doing it without God. We do understand that we do this because he qualifies us by his spirit and it's by faith. We know that without him, we really are just flesh and blood and we have no power. Amen. So it's the Holy Spirit that comes into us. So it is still humility because we're relying on Him. That's why it's an assistant. He assists us. He guides us. It's the very nature of God that comes in you. So if the nature of Christ comes in you, who are you then to say that God doesn't move in power anymore if you've got God living in you? So you say, oh, God lives in me, but I can't do what Jesus did then. That sounds like confusion. You understand? Can I get an Amen. Just checking if you guys believe that. Who am I preaching to you? Yeah? <laughs> Jody said to me just now when David got up, she says, you say amen. Like, amen. Why? Because we need to be in agreement where two or more gather together and they agree. You know, sometimes I'll be praying with people and there's no amens. Uh, maybe they don't really want God to do that. <laughs> so it's good to, to say amen, you know. So, I miss my African brothers. They'll stand and shout. Um, I don't know where to start with you guys, but first of all, we need to start reading some scripture where God was fulfilling things. So I'll read in John 19 first, verse 34, and it was at about the time where they were starting to, to cut off the guys on the cross. So what they would do is they would hit the legs, so you'd be able to not hold yourself up and then you would suffocate. So one of the, the, the things about crucifixion, when they wanted to end it, they would break your legs. So we know that the Bible also prophesied that no bone would be broken. So when they went to Jesus, they saw he was dead and then they used the spear. Amen. So, um, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced, uh, verse 34 and 19. But one of the soldiers... Uh, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, 
And forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that you might believe. 1 John 5 verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Praise God. Amen. So, uh, something happened. The church was born when the blood and the water came out. The Spirit of God was released to mankind. The Bible says that the prophets and the people in the days of old, they went and they looked into these things. Because they couldn't understand how God was going to do such great things with mere humans like us. How He could exalt us. You understand? So we can be equal with the Master, but not above the Master. That's what the Word says. Am I right? So that means we should be able to do the works of the Master. If the Bible says we shall rule and reign, it means that we will rule and reign with Him. So it means you have an authority. So a king doesn't need your vote. So we're kings and priests too. So that means you have the ability to judge righteously because a king holds a scepter. And that's what a scepter is for. So whenever I see prophetic stuff in the Bible about a scepter, I know he's talking about a king. So you can't come tell me other things. Mm -hmm. So are we not kings and priests? So if we priests, then that's why I believe in purity too. That's why I believe when the, God, when the Bible says be perfect as I'm perfect, he means it, it, we can obtain that. Amen. Kings and priests. So even in Africa, man, you won't take some people's pulpits if you're a pastor and you drink. They won't let you get behind that pulpit. Hmm? Can I preach the truth here? You know, the one time one of my, my mates, my brother's friend more than mine, came in with a bottle of alcohol into my dad's house. And my dad said, uh, uh, can you please take that out of my house? I don't have that stuff here. And he got kind of offended. He's like, well, it's just my booze. I'm not even drinking it yet. And he said, how can you expect me to say I serve a God of life when I've buried people your age for that substance and you want me to condone that being in my house? The Holy Ghost hit that boy and he started to get convicted and cried. And he, not only did he just, he threw the booze away and he stopped drinking. Just because of that. So we've got to stand up for the truth too. And one thing I've noticed about America, I was talking to some missionaries from India, is that in America we always try and justify the things we do. And then, and then now because of our sin and rebellion, we're not walking in power. Because you know when you measure value in the old days it was weight, correct? The silver, okay, let's see how heavy the silver is, see if there's a balance. So spiritually we're very light now because of sin, because sin short-circuits the power of God. Amen. Is that not a truth? So now, spiritually, we're very light because we're always trying to justify things. I'm not saying that people that preach the grace message um, are, are giving people license to sin. People were sinning before we had the grace message anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we've got to have a mentality of being honest with ourselves. Why is it that when I'm in Africa, a homosexual will come up to me and say, Man of God, please pray for me, I've got lust. In America, they'll come up with me and have an argument with me about why it's right and wrong and what this and that. Just go read the Bible. It's, it's very clear. You understand? And it's not like we hate them or anything. It's because we believe that we have a marriage between the Lord. And marriage is divine. And it's something beautiful and special. It's not like we hate people. 
<laughs> you know, we're not Nazis. But there's right and there's wrong, and God hasn't created anybody to be something that he has forbidden, as simple as that. You understand? So let's stop trying to be something that's not in the nature of God. Let's, as a church, let's walk in purity. Let's walk with the nature of God. Let's have the Holy Ghost in us. And then only now, because I'm preaching about power. But do you understand? The Word of God says the kingdom of heaven is not in word alone, but the demonstration of power. So if the church is not demonstrating power, we're lacking something. So one of the mandates of everybody's ministry is the power of God. If you don't have the power of God, you're falling short of the grace of God because the grace is the thing that empowers us to work for Him. Amen. Shandor. Um, I wrote here, communion simply means having fellowship with or joint participation. Are you participating in the kingdom of God? Do you know when we're from a kingdom or something or we have a king, you know whenever we do things and we decree things, we bring letters that have a seal of the king and we have an authority. So we do it in his name. So we can't have power without that name because that's the name that's above every other name. Amen. So we've got to, be, we've got to participate in the kingdom of God. Shandor. And then another thing I said here, death, meaning uh, falling out of correspondence with. You see, the problem with us also is we don't want to fall out of correspondence with ourselves and our selfishness. That's why one of the mysteries about some people hating being alone, they hate being alone because they haven't yet dealt with themselves. So they always want to be around people because they don't yet know how much God has accepted them. Same thing with the judgment. We listen to what people say about us because we don't know what God says about us. Amen? So we always listen to what people say and it affects us, you know. Even me, myself, I need to sit down sometimes and meditate. You know, when people persecute me or say something or say something negative about me. So I need to sit down and remember what God says. And then you need to search your heart. And you, you know, somebody was asking me, you know, I don't want the Lord to say to me, um, get away from me. I know you're not. The fact that that person's thinking about that means already their heart is in the right place. So obviously the Lord will not say that to you. Because the fact of the matter is that you're already convicted in your spirit that you want to do good things for the Lord. So why would he push you away then? You know? The heart is a very important thing. So we have cosmetic Christianity too. You know, I may look good on the outside, but is the heart right? You know? So even like this celebrity Christianity now, you see they've got nice necklaces and suits and stuff. I mean, I like them. I'd like to wear that stuff. But it's very cosmetic sometimes. We need to have people that have a heart for God and have the Spirit of God flowing through them. Amen. Um, Romans 8, and I'll start from verse 5. Um, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, in other words, worldly, fleshly, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God. Is at enmity. In other words, we are against that if we have carnal minds. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are, after, uh, that are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be... Th now this is a, a faith thing. So even Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, I think it was. And he said, you have to be born again. So he's like, how can somebody go twice into his mother's womb? You understand? So he's thinking like in the flesh. He's thinking like a human person. It's, it's not. It's a spiritual thing. You understand? So the Son of God must be lifted up as, as Moses lifted up the serpent. You understand? Who was the serpent? 
Jesus. Because he became sin for us. So when we look at the cross, we get healing. Because the crucifixion is the ministry of healing. That's the open door to the power of God. Amen. So that's what Jesus is saying to him. That there's a way now to step into an inheritance. To be born again. To not no more just be a servant, but now be a son. You understand? So if you're a son and you're in the house, do you not get the benefits of the father? Amen. So even in Africa, I remember you have a lot of servants around and what have you. And one of the things Africa taught me is like, even when I was like four years old, when I'd walk through the land and stuff, if those people are working for my father, they always would call me boss too. Not to say I would tell them what to do, but they would see me in the category that they would never ever disrespect me or anything. Why? Because I am of the house. I've got an authority. I can come to them and also, you know, the, the father told me to tell you this. They will say, yes, boss, and then they will do the work. Why? Because I'm a son. Amen. Does it make sense? Just checking. Okay. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we have to have the spirit of Christ in us. Praise God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin falling out of correspondence with but the spirit is life because of righteousness do you see the body is dead because of sin you see that's the thing that the Jews had wrong in Jesus's time they were going to John the Baptist because they were trying to get baptized and trying to manipulate God to get the Romans out there but God didn't come to defeat the Romans he came to defeat sin in us because when we defeat sin we are empowered to rule and reign because sin is an offense you understand so the only reason why we call it sin is because it offends God. Otherwise, it's not sin. So we can only believe in sin if we believe in God. Amen? So now what Jesus did is he brought peace between man and God. He removed the offenses by going on the cross. Does that make sense? You understand? That's why he's the snake. That's why he said, Eli, Eli, sabachthani, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God was not looking at him at that time. He had to turn his head. Because all the sin of mankind was in the sun now. Does it make sense? Amen. Just checking that I'm not lying to you. That's why you must have your Bibles out when I read, eh? I've noticed people don't like Bibles anymore. Do you know there's Bibles and new translations right now that there's some verses they take out when it always talks about how Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then there'll be people that will come and tell me that's the best translation. I'm like, sure. Okay, the best translation with some verses missing. You understand? Trying to remove the authenticity and the fact that he is Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. They don't want that in the Bible. Why? Because it brings dissension, especially amongst the liberals. They think all religions can get together. They don't know anything about history or mankind. They're just a bunch of nutcases. Yeah. Um, forgive me. Um, but if he, but if, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he's dwelling in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, in other words, say no to the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
And you know, this is one of the things that I always say to people that always like push abortion and all this stuff. I say, the only reason why you like that stuff is because you are just right now confessing that you have no control. So we want abortion because we have lack of control. We want to kill and, and just murder everything because we can't control ourselves. They have nothing to say about that because they know it's true. We teach self-control in Christianity. That's why it's not always easy to be a Christian. Some people say it's easy being a Christian. I'm like, how long have you been a Christian for? <laughs> Amen. Um, where did I... Okay, verse 13. For if you live after flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Listen to that. He sees you as one of his family members. You understand? You're in the palace with him. You belong there because he's a king. So it makes you a prince or a queen or a princess. However you want to look at it. The Bible calls us all sons, but I'm also a bride, so I have to get over that too. Yeah. And I look beautiful to him. And you're also beautiful to him. Amen. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Listen to that. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen. So we are joint heirs. Does that, I mean, sometimes you guys should go and meditate on that. Now, so you, you say, well, um, but we're just human beings. They still explain this thing to me. So I'll read another scripture in Hebrews that says that he became just like us. And when he was just like us, he was healing the sick. Hebrews 2 verse 16. For verily took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for sins of the people. For in that he himself have suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Because in all points he was tried like us. So he's a man just like us when he came down, the son of God. Yes, his seed came from heaven, but he was, in, he was flesh and blood. Remember what he said to Thomas, feel my body. You understand? So he's not a, he's not a spook, he's not a, a ghost. He's flesh and blood, he's got a body, he's alive. His tomb is empty. You understand? So miracle signs and wonders is a mandate of the body of Christ. You know, I watch these atheists, they try and like disprove all these things and say, oh, well, maybe the sea, there was like an eclipse and the sea moved and stuff. I was like, just give up, man. Somebody lived in a fish for three days. A dude walked on water with Jesus. You're never going to uh, prove it because it's called a miracle for a reason. It's miraculous, unexplainable. It, just get over that. God works in miracle signs and wonders. That's what's called a wonder. You go, you know, in Africa we have a way of saying wonder. We go, yo, 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 yo. Why? Because we don't understand what just happened. You know? <laughs> we don't understand. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. Your science won't prove it. Amen. Um, 
One of the things that I also wanted to read here is um, 2 Timothy 2, concerning knowing who we are as Christians. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. So the reason why I wanted to put that there is because there's a man of God that I love listening to his lectures. He knows how to look at the prophetic books. But then all of a sudden, one of his lectures, he started to debunk the charismatics and say things about us and whatever. And I was thinking, you know, it started to affect me. And then I was thinking, you know, he may know the word very well there, but I can quite clearly see that he doesn't really understand the sons of God message. I can see he hasn't really looked into that well. So now I'm not going to get affected by that because I just disagree. <laughs> because my Bible says something different. My Bible says miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm the God that healeth thee. Not healed. Healeth. It means he's still healing today. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Rohi. You understand? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God can use Moses like that in the Old Testament and Elijah can bring down fire, why does James even use Elijah as an example in the book of James? He's trying to tell us that we can do the same things. He's trying to tell that he was a man with passions just like us. But when he prayed, the rain didn't come. And then when he spoke, it came. You understand? So he had power in his words. But listen to the most interesting thing. It said that he was a man just like us. In other words, he had passions just like us. He was a naughty boy. <laughs> hmm? Amen. As well, we believe in grace. Understand? Look at David. He was a man after God's own heart. But look at the things he did. Understand? So where is your heart at? Do you not believe that God is doing things in your life? But you have to have a relationship with him. If you love me, then you'll obey my word. Understand? He said, if you stick to my word and you read it and you, and you keep it in the midst of your heart, it will, be, it will be medicine to you. So here we are, we're always listening to what people have to say and it's bringing confusion, but we don't have a relationship with our lover. Understand? With our father. Oh, man of God, can you just tell me this or that or what? What does God say to you about that? Don't you have a relationship with him? Amen. So, and God is speaking to you. I'll just give you a little testimony that happened to me this week. One of these guys in Africa prophesied something about me in America. And um, I have a lot of friends that move in the gift of knowledge, like Todd White or Sean Boltz. And you know the one, and that's what I'm laughing about right now. There's one guy in Botswana, he sells chickens. But he prophesies better than anybody I've seen in America. He doesn't even have a ministry. And he's just honoring a man of God. And he has like 20 chickens and he sells chickens and stuff. And he lives out in the rural areas in, in Africa. But he can prophesy, man. He was the one that told me I would go to Haiti six months before or something. And he was the one that also said I would not go alone too. He also prophesied them coming with me. Anyways, another man of God prophesied over me. And then I decided, okay, well, I had just, just this feeling to FaceTime him. Understand? So I'm only telling you this because we were talking about how God speaks to us. Amen. So I felt like I need to talk to this guy. Something about this guy, I need to just get to know him a bit better. I don't even know what country he's from. I think it's Zimbabwe. I forgot to ask him. Um, he thought that I was actually still in South Africa. Anyways. But um, we started to speak. And I just, because I wanted to tell him about some stuff in America and stuff. So the Lord told me this, that he's, God's going to use him internationally. That's why I phoned him. 
I wanted to start talking to him about how people see things different. You can't preach the same things that you preach in Africa. People will get offended. Some people won't receive you, especially when they see you a young man moving in power like that. They'll shut the door. You've got to be very wise. But anyways, when I phoned him and started speaking to him about these things, he said, you know, two days ago, a man of God prophesied to me. He said a white man would get in contact with me. And me and this white man would be able to do some stuff in ministry in the near future. And God would use him in my life. Understand? And he said, he said that that guy prophesied that I would be also international. God would use me internationally. So I said the same thing to him. So it means that I'm here in the spirit of God. So I confirmed a prophecy. So it means that there's one accord there between the three of us that whatever was going on. So that means I do hear the Lord. You understand? And I'm telling you right now, you guys do hear the Lord. You understand? David was just sitting praying with some of the people yesterday in the welcome center. And he just looks at me and he says, I see birds in you. When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with birds. At the age of 9, 10, I could almost recite the whole Robert's Bird book. You understand? So you see how God is talking to us. Amen. You see how God is getting ready for something in America. And I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, why are people not operating in power in America? I said, we've spoken about some of it now because we always have so much to say. We've got offenses. We've got our little doctrinal problems. We don't have a relationship. There's many things. So I was asking the Lord these things. And you know, God is bringing it to America. The timing is what it's about. The timing. God is going to bring a lot of these young kids that are just so led astray, oh my word. It's a shame. But God's going to change them. If the word of God says that a nation can be saved in a day, I don't care what the problem is of that nation. They can be saved in a day because God said it. Amen. Let's go to Joel 2. So let's prove that God fulfilled his word. Um, let's prove that God is working through us in power by showing that it was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. So at the end of the day, it's always available to us. Um, Joel 2 verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward. So if you look at the first, two, the first chapter and then the beginning of the second chapter, it's talking about things that are going to happen. And we know that was in the time of the Babylonian captivity, Alexander the Great, and so on and so on through the history in the last 400 years before Christ. But then it talks about what will happen on the great and terrible day of the Lord. And what will happen in the crucifixion and what God will bring to humanity. But let's go to the important past. And it shall come to pass afterwards, after those things. So we know now that those things that were spoken about in Joel 1 and 2 must have been also fulfilled. Because this said afterwards. Amen. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Amen. Now Acts 2, verse 17. Um, let me see. I'm just going to read before that, actually. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Now this is the day of Pentecost. Remember, everybody got drunk in the Spirit. There's one thing about the, the Holy Ghost, you'll feel uncomfortable because people will start doing funny things. It's like we always pray, Lord, do have your way, and then when he has his way, we don't know what to do. <laughs> Isn't that fun, though? 
Um, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. In other words, people didn't really drink then. Uh, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Listen to this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The word of God has been fulfilled. The spirit is available to us. He has poured out his spirit. It, it was confirmed at the cross when they, when they thrust the spear in him. Do you understand? So already we know now that God has poured out his spirit. We can move in gifts. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians. It talks about the gifts. We can heal the sick, the gifts of healing, gifts of speaking in foreign languages, which I've seen a bit of that before. You understand? So God is the one that's telling us this. It's not just preachers. It's in the Bible that his spirit has been poured out upon us. Amen. Now, in, um, I already quoted Mark, that um, he said unto them, Go you into all the world, preach the gospel, in other words, the good news, to every creature. He that believeth, in, in, in chapter 16, shall be um, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Sure, I hope you guys believe. Um, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my, these signs shall follow you. These things are going to follow your life. Miracles. Signs and wonders. You understand? And it doesn't matter what it is. You know, even if your, your puppy is sick, pray for your dog. God will heal it. God knows that's important to you. If your car is broken, lay hands on your car. <laughs> I've done it before. It works. <laughs> Sometimes you've got no other option. <laughs> you must pray for your vehicle. Um, I'm not going to continue there. But I want to read this other thing. And Saul yet breathing, Acts 9 verse 1. And Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus of the synagogues. That if he found any on this way. So now he's persecuting people. Any people. So it will go on. And then I'll go to verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there, there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Uh, um, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Listen, was Paul literally grabbing Jesus by the body and beating him up and persecuting him? No, he was persecuting us. So you see how God sees you in the same category as him. You are as important to him. When they're persecuting you, they're persecuting him. Why? Because he is in you. That's why I love St. Patrick's prayer. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beneath, above. My left hand, my right hand, with inside me. Christ in every word that I speak. Christ in everything I see. You understand? Because he is one with us. Amen. Is this heresy? I don't think so. This is the word of God. This is the power of God that's supposed to be flowing through us. But it's what you know that will take you to different places. So you need to know how God sees you. You need to know that God wants to move through you. 
He wants you to be the Jordan, the river that flows and has an outlet. Don't be the Dead Sea. The problem with the Dead Sea, it has no outlet. It's the very outlet of the water that comes out the tap that keeps the inner part of the tap clean. Nobody ever goes and washes inside the tap there. Ah. Um, Ezekiel 34. This is the last scripture before Jerry comes up. And I just pray that this just um, helps the message be completed. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, um, Ezekiel 34 verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat. You see, this is, for me, this is, uh, whenever I see this, I see preachers just preaching the word, not ever trying to lay hands on people. It's, it's, it's criminal. It's criminal. You understand? You've got, you see, even when Jesus was here with us, he taught his disciples to go and do what he did. You understand? It's criminal to come here and preach weak messages and preach like God is not in control and he doesn't have power. You understand? You're stealing from the people. It's also criminal. We know in Africa there's criminal to not ask offerings. Because we feel now, oh, because they say they're poorer than us. We can't ask them money. You're denying them of an opportunity you have to serve the living God. What makes you think you're better than them that you can give money and offerings? Oh, because we in a poor area won't give offerings. That's evil. You're stealing from the sheep. You eat the fat and you clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened. Neither have you healed that which was sick. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. So it's a mandate in every man of God's ministry to work, walk in healing. Healing of the hearts. Healing of the flesh. We walk in healing. It's, our, it's every single one of our mandates. That's the power of God. God had something against them. Huh? Because they weren't walking in power. They, won't work, they were not doing what they needed to do for God's people. They were not feeding God's people. Amen. Does that make sense? So we've got to desire these things in our life for them to start being manifested. Healing power. Healing power in our lives. Amen. Praise God. Can you guys clap for Jerry? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. Amen. It's not how I preach that's the hope of glory. It's not how I do this or do that, but it's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. Amen. And Jesus, when he was here, he flowed 100%. Holy Spirit have flowed without measure. Amen. So why doesn't he flow without measure in us? It's that one word, sin. How many want the Holy Spirit to flow as much as possible here on earth? And I explain it like this. It's like a drain that's clogged up and you got this little tiny pinhole. And we go, Holy Spirit, flow through me. And he's going, I'm trying, but there's only a little pinhole. There ain't much to flow through, amen? Why? Because of our sin. 
because of things that we have inside of us. And what he does is he comes in and cleans that drain out, amen? He cleans the pipes out so he can flow through us. And the more he flows through us, the greater the move of God is, the greater the power. The more people are touched, the more people are changed, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. How many of you like the fire of God? <laughs> How many of you know what the fire of God is really for? First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. How many of y'all have ever went through trials? that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love though you did not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving to the end of your faith the salvation of your souls so right there it says, tested by fire. Years ago I was driving down the highway when I used to drive tractor trailer and for those of you who don't, um, have never driven big trucks, when you drive a car you're looking at a few cars ahead of you but when you drive trucks you're looking as far as ahead of you as you can because it takes a whole lot longer for that truck to stop. So I look way up ahead and I see these yellow flashing lights off the side of the, on the shoulder there. And you start thinking, okay, what's going on? Do I need to slow down? What, you know, watching traffic. And as I approach this situation, I see two trucks. They were obviously like county trucks. It was on the side of the highway. There's a lot of woods. And there's like three or four guys standing there. And you got one guy with the catch pole. You know what a catch pole is that you catch animals with? So he's got this catch pole. On the other end of this catch pole is a... Florida Panther. And the other two or three guys are standing there watching, and I'm thinking, a uh, little help, please? <laughs> I get this little kitty cat on the side here. I need a little help. So this guy is grabbing this Florida Panther, and this Panther is fighting everything it can to get back in the woods. You can see him. He's trying to back up, and this guy is wrestling with this Panther. So I says, okay, Lord, what's going on here? Well, that Panther had this mindset that I've got a home over here. And I'm good. And these guys are coming in trying to drag me out of my home. And I don't like that. I want to stay in my home. But the guy's thought is, this is dangerous for this panther. Because he can run out in the highway and get killed. And Florida panthers are endangered. So we don't want another panther to be killed. So we're going to get this panther and haul him off to a safer place. A place where there's more land to where he can roam. See, the panther didn't have the understanding of that I'm in a dangerous situation, I'm in a bad spot. 
He said, I'm good, I'm home, I'm happy, I'm comfortable, I'm here. Everybody comfortable? But God says, it's time to get uncomfortable. Because your comfort zone is not where God wants you to be. God wants you to be uncomfortable. Because in that, uncom- in that comfortable place, you're going, I'm good, it's okay, I'm happy right where I'm at. And God said, it's not a good place for you to be. Because it is not good for us to be in a comfort zone of sin. Because God can't flow through and do what he wants to do through you and me if we walk in the same place. He wants, calls us to come deeper into him. Hello? Amen? Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Verse 8 through 12 says this oh bless our god you peoples and make the voice of his praise be heard who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved for you have god had tested us you have refined us as silver is refined you brought us into the net you laid affliction on our backs you have caused men to ride over our heads we went through the fire and through water but you brought us out rich to rich fulfillment god wants to take you and refine you to be who he's called you to be. And what does that mean? Malachi talks about the refining fire. See, we have a choice. There, there, there's different levels of gold. You have 10 karat gold. You know, 10 karat gold they usually use for like rings and stuff because it's more impurities in that gold. So it's a harder metal. Then you have 14, you have 18, and you have 24 karat gold. With 24 karat gold, is very soft, so you don't use those for all these different things because it bends easy. If you have a 24 karat gold ring and you tap it, you'll bend it. But let me ask you this, what level do you want to be at? Because the fire determines the level that you're at. See, 10 karat gold, you just go through a little process. And the process is you put the gold in the pot and you turn the fire up some and you melt the gold down. And as you melt the gold, the dross comes up. The dross is the impurities. Amen? So as the dross comes up, you scrape off the dross and you have that whatever level of gold you're at. But if you want to go to a higher level, what has to be done? You turn the fire up. You turn the heat up. So we go through stuff and we go, Lord, what is going on with me? Why are things all of a sudden coming up? Why are things happening in my life? If you get offended, why am I getting offended? Why is this happening? You know, God will bring things up to you so you can see it because he wants you to get set free from it. Hello? Years ago, I I had a huge issue with anger. And my wife would tell me, you get angry, you get angry. And I go, oh, no, I don't, I don't get angry. Well, I had father and mother who got angry. I had grandparents who got angry. I got all these people that got angry. It was a way of life because I only saw in that way. You know, as you grow up, you grow up with the understanding of this is how things are to operate. This is how things are to happen. You know, I see, I see this situation, so this is how they react in this situation. That's how I'm supposed to react in that situation. And so if, you're, if you get mad and you, and you cuss and yell and throw things and all this stuff, then your kid goes, oh, that's how I'm supposed to deal with that. So if I get mad, I, I cuss, yell, and throw things. 
So then you grow up and you're doing that thing. And God goes, no, we want to get rid of that. So I had this anger issue. My wife kept going, you get this anger thing. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't get this anger thing. Well, guess what happened? One day God revealed it. I get angry and I saw it. And I wept and I repented. And I went to my pastor. I said, I need to get rid of this now. And the spirit of anger which lived in me was dealt with. And he cast it out. Amen. Now, does that mean I no longer get angry? No, but now I have authority over that. It doesn't rule me. I rule it. Amen. So one day I'm, I'm going to lay down. We were, um, we've been doing a teaching class. And I used to get these weird things of people would ask me these questions. And I'd go, man, I have no clue. How, people ask me just stuff. And why is this happening? Why is that? Happening? I'm going, I don't know. And then next thing I know, God gives me a vision. So I get this vision. And in the vision, I'm driving this car. And uh, I look over and God's got everything. And I've got, you know, I've got a regular car and he's got everything in the passenger seat that I have, the steering wheel, the brake, the gas, all that stuff. But he's sitting there with his arms folded. And I'm driving this car and all of a sudden this car starts doing 360s. And I'm going, I'm trying to do everything I can to bring this car into correction. Spin the wheel, put it in neutral, put it in low, put, tap the brake, tap the gas, do this, do that. And the car continues to do 360s. And I look at God and I go, do something. And he goes, let go. And I said, if I let go, we're gonna crash. And he says, if you don't let go, guess what's gonna happen? Because you're not fixing anything right now anyways, are you? He said, let go. I said, fine, and I let go, and as soon as I let go, he grabs the steering wheel, and instantly the car's under correction. And as the car's under correction, he looks back at me, he says, now take back over. So I grabbed the steering wheel again. And he says, don't I know your life from the beginning to the end? Don't you think I know every pothole, every roadblock, every construction site, every problem in the road from the beginning to the end? He says, but I don't take you around that. See, if, if, if a guy goes and he, he has a problem with alcohol, so on his way to work, there's a liquor store, and every time he goes by that liquor store, he gets this real strong pulling to go into the liquor store and get something to drink. So he says, I'm going to fix this. So he goes, I'm going to go on this other route and go way around that liquor store where I won't never see one to get to work. Has he overcome that thing that he's battling. No, he's just avoiding it. The only way to overcome something is to face it head on and deal with it. So God says, I don't take you around the thing, I take you slap through it. Because I want you to learn that you can trust me and that I love you. Now years ago, I asked God, I said, God, I don't understand trust and love. I don't understand how they work together, but I know that they work hand in hand. And this is what God explained to me. He says, your wife does not trust you because she loves you. Your wife trusts you only as much as she understands your love for her. He says, my people only trust me as much as they understand my love for me. Does, is God's love for you perfect? Yes. So it's not a lack of his love. It's a lack of our understanding of his love for us. So to the extent that you understand his love for you is the extent that you'll trust him. So if you have a trust problem with God, if you don't trust God, 
then it's, you don't need to learn to trust, you need to learn his love. And the only way he'll teach you, he'll be, able, he'll be able to teach you love, is to take you through things. Because see, the children of Israel, he was taking them through the desert. And God blessed them and took care of them. But you know what he told me? He said, they acted like a bunch of spoiled brats. Gimme, 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 I want, I want, I want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You know what, God doesn't want a bunch of spoiled brats. Amen? God does not want us to be a bunch of spoiled brats. So we go, why are we going through this thing? Why is this thing happening to us? And, and you've got to question, what's going on inside of me? What is inside of me that God's trying to remove that's not of him? So I'm sitting with this guy one day, and he was an ex-biker. And uh, you could see just the hardness of life that he had been through. We're sitting at a dining room table at a friend's house and he's telling me how he saw Jesus on the cross and what Jesus did for him, the price that he paid for him. And this guy's sitting there weeping, going, my Lord, my Savior, I saw him hanging on the cross. I saw the blood drip. I saw the crown of thorns. I saw the nails. And he said, what he did for me. But then he said this one thing. He said, and the Romans and the Jews killed him. And when he said that, the Holy Spirit jumps up inside of me. He says, no, they didn't. And we know that's true because the word says that he laid his life down for us. The Holy Spirit said, no, they didn't. It was impossible for them to kill Jesus. Hello, you got to hear this. It was impossible for them to kill him. It wasn't just they couldn't. It was impossible. Why? Because death was not in him. See, the only thing that can get a hold of you is that which is inside of you. See, they tried to do stuff to Jesus. They tried to kill him. They tried to do these different things. Satan came and tempted him and all these different things. But none of it had a hook on inside of him because there was no sin in him to be hooked to. And the problem with you and me is we have sin that is able to get hooked to. And those are the areas we have problems with. And we think, oh, the devil's attacking me doing this. Oh, the devil's, you know what? It's what's inside of us that's the problem. The devil's been defeated. Hello? Start looking at what's inside of us. What is inside of me, Lord, that you're trying to get out of me because you're trying to flow through me and you can't fully throw through me until you get out what's inside of me that's not of you. And he said, that's why I want to take out what's inside of you that's not of me. He said, because you were created in my image. And the only thing that keeps you from looking like him totally is he doesn't have to reconstruct you. He has to remove that which is not of him out of you. And you'll automatically look like him. Hello? Do you want to look like him? Then surrender to what he's trying to bring you through. And if you see something that comes up, don't go, oh God, what? you're bringing this thing. All this stuff is coming upon me. Why, why, why? Go, okay, God, what's inside of me that you're trying to remove? What is inside of me? What's going on that you're trying to get out of me? Amen? Job 23, verse 10. So we go through this fire and God turns up the heat 
So he gets you to 10 carat, and he scrapes the dross off. He gets you to 14 carat and scrapes it. Then he turns the heat back up, and he's going to keep turning the heat up until he can get it all out of you. Don't be afraid of the heat. See, we, some people run around, fire, fire, I want fire, I want fire. And then all of a sudden the fire hits and they go, oh God, what's going on? My life is ruined. You just asked for the fire. Did you really know what you were asking for? Or you thought it was this goosebump, goody, goody thing? God's trying to kill us. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to get out of us what's not of him. He wants what's of him to flow through you. It's not Christ, or it is Christ in you, the hope. It's not what I, my preaching that's a hope of glory. It's Christ that's in me that's a hope of glory. That's the thing that when he shines through you and me, it'll change the world. Job 23, verse 10. But he knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, if anybody's been tested, here's Job, a man that's been tested greatly. God wants to bring you through as gold. Do you know how they used to tell when the gold is pure, when it's ready, when there's nothing left in it? Is when that w the, man, the one that was sitting there refining the gold, when he could see his reflection in the gold. When people look at you and they don't see you, but they see Christ in you, <laughs> you've gotten someplace. You've gotten someplace. Amen? Hmm. Not that long ago, we went through uh, some, some hard a hard time, and I woke up about 5.30 in the morning going, and I was started... I was like, God, what is going on? What is going on? What is going on? This is crazy, Lord. What's happened? What, you know, I'm searching. I'm going, God, what's going on? So I had, later that day, uh, I had a friend call me up from South Florida, and he says, are you mumbling, complaining about what God's trying to do? <laughs> oh, hello. Not a hello. Not, hey, how you doing? He, I said, hey, he says, how are you mumbling, complaining about what God's trying to do? Yeah. And after that conversation, this is what God spoke to me. He said, until you have to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you really died on the cross? My son cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know that when you come into a place when you have to cry out because God doesn't look like he's anywhere around. When God doesn't look like he's anywhere around but he's there in the midst because he says, I said I will never leave you nor forsake you. But there's times that we go through stuff and God, God where in the world are you? Did you up and leave me? What happened? He's going, you're dying. That's where he's bringing you through. He's trying to kill you. Are you resisting him? Or are you allowing him 
to take you where he wants you to be. Amen? Go to 1 Samuel. First Samuel 17. Everybody knows this about the story of David and Goliath. David, the one that's this young ruddy kid, and he's taking care of the sheep. He goes to bring his brother's food, and there's this dude in the middle called Goliath. Goliath is sitting there talking trash, and they're all scared, shaking in their boots. Here's this big army. They won't have nothing to do with that guy. The word Goliath means splendor. You know, how many times have we looked way back when, when we were walking in the world and, and we see things that look real good and they're actually sin? You know, let's go have a drink with our buddies. That looks good. Let's smoke this cigarette because we're cool. Yeah, that looks good. Let's do this thing or that thing because it looks good. And it looks splendid to you. But in verse 23, after David uh, took the stone, slung it, put it in Goliath's forehead, then took the sword and chopped off his head. In 23 it says, any, um, yeah. Nope, I'm sorry. Go down to verse, that was the uh, other one. Verse 52, I knew I was in the wrong spot. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley and to the gates of Ekron and to the wounded of the Philistines, fell down by the way to Shereim, even to Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. So they pursued after the Philistines. The word Philistines means immigrants. You know, the sins and things inside of us are immigrants. There are things that don't belong inside of us. There are things that immigrated that's not of God. This is God's property. Hello? And these immigrants, these immigrants of sin have entered into us. So they pursued the immigrants until they came to the valley and to the gates. The gates are the entry point. We got to go back to where, how these things entered in and deal with them. Amen? Hello? How did that sin that you're dealing with, how did it enter in? And you've got to go back to that place and deal with it. To the gates, the entry point, the place where they came in, of Ekron. The word Ekron means torn up by the roots. So you need to let God come in so you could chase. Because David was at, is like Jesus. Here we are standing here because of that thing, that splendid thing is laughing at us. And we're in fear. But when Jesus comes in... He can cut the head off of that very thing that needs to be taken out. Amen? And we need to chase those things back. And, and, and it said, it is, uh, the meaning is torn up by the roots. Ekron, torn up by the roots. So you need to chase out the immigrants to the place where they came in and tear them up by the roots. What does that mean? Taking out the root cause of why that thing is even there. Hello? What is the root cause of why that sin is in you? You know, we were in uh, Cuba and uh, this young man came up for prayer and he couldn't move his arm 
but about this much. He couldn't lift his arm up. He couldn't do any of that. And he said, will you pray for me? And instantly I knew that this wasn't a physical issue. It was a spiritual issue. So when I, when I encounter this, I said, this is my typical prayer. I say, okay, Father, I ask it by your, in the name of Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, that you'd show me the root cause of this thing. And I said, now listen to God. He'll tell you what it is. So he didn't hear anything. I said, well, if you hear anything, and this is my last night here, if you hear anything uh, before I leave, you can come talk to me. If not, talk to the pastor. Make sure you deal with this thing. So after service, he comes running up to me and grabs me and says, God showed it to me. So I says, okay, so what's going on? And he said, uh, I don't know how long before that, that uh, his sister and he got in this huge argument and had this huge breakup in their relationship. And because of that, the, the, their mother committed suicide. And ever since then, his arm, he could do no more than that. So I says, okay, this is, we'll take care of this. So I led him through a prayer of not healing, but dealing with those things, the sin of the argument with the sister and then the things with his mom. I couldn't tell you what I prayed, but we dealt with those things. And as, after I dealt with that, I never prayed for the healing. His arm was totally healed. Move it all over. Because we didn't pray for the healing. We prayed for, we went and took care of the root cause of the situation. So you can't kill a tree by picking the leaves or the branches, hello? If you want to kill a tree, you got to go and dig the root up and take it out. Religion will tell you to pick, pluck, pluck leaves and pick branches. Religion will tell you, if you dress like me, if you look like me, then you'll be accepted like I'm accepted. Except we're not to follow after another man. We're to follow after Christ. Paul said, follow after me as I follow after Christ. Don't let me be the example. Let Christ be the example. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. So the fire of God comes to burn up the enemies of God. You know what the word says? Doesn't the word of God say the fire goes before him and burns up his enemies? Well, we have enemies inside of us. And those enemies need to be burned up by his fire. But when you go through the fire, it's a testing, it's a trying, it's a purification. And sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes you think your whole world is coming crashing to the end. But if you're walking with the Lord and you're allowing what God to do in you and through you, what he wants to do, it's not coming to the end of what he is, it's coming to the end of the sin. Amen? We're getting delivered, set free. He says, I'm coming for a bride, pure, spotless. Amen? Are we pure and spotless? If we're not, then we need to allow God to come in with some fire and burn up that which is not of God. Those things which are enemies to him. Amen? Everybody lift your hands. Stand up with me, please. If you want the fire of God, just ask God. Lift your hands up. Father, I ask for your fire. Father, I cry out for your fire. I cry out, Lord, for something new. Something different, Lord. I need to be changed. Father, I need you to come and burn up that which is not of you inside of me. 
I want to reflect you, Lord. I want when others look at me to see you, not me. I want your glory. I want your grace to be shining through me, Lord. I don't want to make something up. I want you to be glorified, Lord. And the only way that you're glorified is so that others focus and look at you and not at me. Father, I surrender everything I have and everything I am to you, Lord. Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Without you, Lord, I am absolutely nothing. Lord, I need your fire. Lord, I need your fire. I need your fire, Lord. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's not always fun. But Lord, I need to be taken out of this, out of this comfort zone into the very place that you have for me. Lord, let your fire go before you inside of me and burn up everything that's not of you, Lord. Everything. Refine me as gold, Lord. Purify me as gold, Lord. Let me come out to be the pure gold, Lord. As the dross comes up, just surrender it to him. Surrender the dross to him. Repent of your ways. Just surrender to him, amen? Let him have you. Let him have your heart. Let him have your life. Like Dylan said, some people say, oh, being a Christian is easy. No, it's not. Being a, being a true follower of Yeshua HaMashiach is the hardest thing you'll ever do. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do because it means totally giving up everything that you are and everything that you have for him. But in return, he will give you everything that he is and everything that he has. I think we get a great deal, don't you? Because what we have and what we are, I know what I have and what I am is not much. But when he comes in, it's everything for him. Amen. Amen. We give him the glory. We give him the honor. We give him the praise. Jesus, we magnify you. Jesus, we glorify you. Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all to you, Lord. Lord, forgive me for trying to hold on to who I am. My identity is not of me. It's not of what I am or my past or my generations. My identity is Christ. My identity is Christ. You have a free will. If you back out, God will back off. But if you say, no, Lord, I want to go all the way, he will take you all the way. But it takes you to surrender, surrender, surrender to what he wants to do in you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We glorify you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Lord, continue. Continue to what you're doing, Lord. Don't give up on us, Lord. Don't give up on us, Lord. Lord, you said that when you start something, you will complete it to the end, to the fullness of Christ. Complete that which you have started in us, Lord. And let it be better than we could ever think, imagine, or know.
We want you, Lord, to get the glory. You get the glory, Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. And Father, as we go our way, we just thank you for your hedge of angels. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for divine appointments. We thank you for angelic experiences. We thank you, Father, that you send your angels and gird us up round about us with your angels to keep us in all of our ways. We thank you for your ministering angels to minister to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to change us, blowing us a fresh wind, Lord, a fresh wind, blowing us, breathing us, Lord. Ignite the fires, Lord, that have gone down, those, those fires that have turned to embers, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit come and blow on them a fresh wind, a fresh wind, a fresh wind, a fresh wind, Lord, fresh wind, fresh wind the fire of the living God of Israel. Thank you, Lord.